Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, State Farm, and WeatherTech. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to MotorWeek's podcast. And this is number 171. And we're sitting here in Studio C of MotorWeek Central. And around our weird shaped table is writer producer Brian Robinson. Also weirdly shaped. And there you go. Online content coordinator Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. Writer researcher Garrick. Zykin. Thank you for having me again. You're welcome. And video producer and editor Joe Ligo. Good to be here. Okay, lots to talk about, so let's um, not waste any uh, time. L.A. Auto Show uh, has, uh, I guess at this point, pretty much come and gone, but we're fresh back from it for this podcast. Garrett, you are our person on the scene. You want to give us a rundown of some of the more important uh, debuts there. We, as we go along, anybody want to comment on them, just do so. Sure. So uh, Porsche always draws a big crowd. The 718 Boxster GTS and the 718 Cayman GP, GTS uh, horsepower increases to 365, which is 15 more than the 718S. Can you, anybody at this table keep all of the... Porsche models straighten their heads. Base more. S and GTS. There you, there go. you go. Very good. Small, medium, done. and large. Nicely That's, done. That's still out of okay. a two liter, or I'm starting the uh, 2.5 liter flat four, correct? Mm-hmm. That's, a lot of, that's a lot of horsepower. 365. Right, yeah, because I think that can get lost in the. Uh, in the in the scheme of other that's Porsche your power cars. base car, yeah. right? Almost. All right, go ahead. Also, Porsche 911 Carrera T T stands for touring. This is the the lightest in the 911 Carrera lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, 370 horsepower. PASM sports chassis is standard. The idea was this was the concept uh, goes back to 1968. That pure 911 T experience. Um, also, um, excuse me, 2018 Panamera Turbo SE Hybrid Sport Turismo. It's a plug-in hybrid, 680 horsepower. Um, it's their most powerful Panamera Sport Turismo, and they're getting um, some of their, their boost strategy from the 918 Spider. It's not doesn't have more horsepower than the Spider, but it... Some trickle-down technology who there. To, uh, who went to drive that? That was Zach. Zach. Yeah, yeah. Zach. yeah, he did. I, I, did, I edited the road test for him. Yeah. I mean, that oh, car that is Oh, that was nuts. the sedan, though, not the Sport Turismo. Uh, with both, the e-hybrid. With the e-hybrid. Yeah, 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 both yeah. vehicles were yeah, in that, yeah, yeah. that test. But, yeah, that, that e-hybrid system is nuts, man. Right. And then they also had the uh, third-generation Porsche Cayenne, which made its U.S. auto show debut looking down yeah, the list yeah. uh there's a bm the roadster version of the bmw i8 was there like that, any other change there i feel like, like that's been around for already the roadster? is that the first no the first because there's been some must have been spy shots out of there for years they've been talking about it for a while yeah, yeah, right. Right. there might have been like mock-ups that we've been yeah. seeing i think they uh, it ups its range to uh, like 18 miles I think it was maybe 12 before. It wasn't a huge boost, but mm-hmm. basically just the, the Roadster and the Coupe both get uh, increased range. Mm-hmm. The Genesis G70, that one sort of snuck in under the radar. That's uh, yeah. related to the Stinger? It's the same car, Hyundai's version of it, yes. Okay. And um, the most interesting technological uh, event seems to be the final 
um, Infinity finally putting their new variable compression engine into a right. vehicle, into the QX50. Right. It's not just a concept. It's yeah. almost on sale soon. I mean, that's a, a pretty amazing engine to deliver the kind of fuel economy from a diesel, but without all the diesel problems. Mm-hmm. Anything new to add from the auto show about it? Why did they pick that vehicle? Any, any idea? Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, but it's a, it's a 2019 version, and the big selling point is that the uh, variable compression ratio engine is production ready. So. It's in a crossover, so what else right, would they put yeah. in there? Yeah. Yeah, if they want to sell say, any, they need to put in a crossover. Right, I agree with Brian on that. I was going to say the crossover is probably their best chance to sell the most of them the quickest. Which is kind of bold considering it's a really it's new technology to the market. So mm-hmm. they're putting it if in a something's going to go vehicles. wrong, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going to know about it. I mean, yeah, if, then, if anybody I'd feel comfortable with, it's Nissan. They, they, make they some do great make engines. a good engine. Yeah. Well, they've been working on this for 20 years. They mm-hmm. actually showed some concept of that. I think I saw it probably 15 years ago uh, at a run-up to uh, Tokyo Motor Show once. Wrangler, you've seen it up close and personal. I know on the outside it doesn't look that much different, but the inside seems to be a huge departure. Do you recall? It's very seems very busy now. We're used to Wranglers having a pretty straightforward, simple dash. Right. Anything and, else that struck you from seeing it in the flesh? Right, and so they've again they've they've drawn gone back to some of the original designs. Uh, the interior um, is is less busier. Um, it increases its its off road capability. They were um, again trying to make it lighter wherever they can, as as a lot of uh, cars are. Um, if, if you saw it on the street, would mm-hmm. you recognize it as a new vehicle? Um, you would recognize it as a Jeep. I don't know as 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 a new. You'd have to get up close to to look at some some of the the, the subtle changes. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's familiar with Wrangler so would definitely know it's the new one. But, a, mean, but a non-Jeep but, initiate might just correct. Think, yeah. think it's just another it Jeep. It almost, to, to me when I saw it, I mean, you, it helps to see them side by side. And you see, oh, you know, lights moved here, mm-hmm. blinkers right. moved here, and right. different things. But it, I don't know. I kind of wanted more radical styling. But then at the same I time, I think they learned their lesson. I don't, lesson. Think, they, yeah, I don't yeah. think they have you any incentive no. to Considering that the it. Cherokee is now going back to a traditional Jeep face. Mm. Right, yeah. The, um, yeah, the, the, the Wrangler, if you're a Jeep purist, I mean, you're still going to like it, and it's just better than, than it was before. Any, uh, they didn't have anything, any hints there that you heard about the, the pickup, what it's going to be called, mm. or anything else? No mention on that. Um, a surprise to me was that Lincoln is uh, yes. relaunching the MKX yes. as a Nautilus. Yes. Uh, I guess we should have had hints since they brought back the Continental name and so forth. But mm-hmm. still, after spending all that time and effort trying to get us into an alphanumeric uh, right. ratio. Right. So the vehicle itself, was it just a facelift? Um. It, it it looks better, so probably, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, there, it, It's a facelift, it's but a I, facelift. it's probably like everything else Ford has done lately. There's a lot of new tech in it right. and so forth. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, but along with the look, the, the, the name change was, was really quite, quite a surprise, I think, for, for, also, for, for the group there. They got mm-hmm. some uh, different technology in there, too. Mm-hmm. They got this, like, uh, lane, center, lane centering um, mm-hmm. technology. I guess just from what I understand, just kind of keeps you right. centered in the lane. Right. And um, what was That's the other one? Yeah, evasive steer assist. That was the other right. one um, that apparently uh, will actually, if something, if you're coming up on something and uh, it takes it a step further than just breaking it, it actually tries to avoid the actual mm-hmm. collision right. itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
another step forward and so some of, the, and of course Lincoln's black label interior themes sure. continue to get more and more wild uh, there was like a magenta colored uh, interior scheme for that so I, I think it's cool to see how far they keep pushing the envelope on that bringing back colors you haven't seen since like the 70s on car interiors i think it's interesting that mercedes brought the cls to la when you consider i mean i was around in frankfurt for the very first uh, cls unveiling and of course wrongly guessed like this is a weird looking uh, coupe why are they doing this uh, now it's become one of their mainstays mm-hmm. but Besides just sleeker and a little bit more modern, right. did uh, did anything else impress you about it? It has a um, there's a new inline six engine, That's and cool. they say it's the first For vehicle Benz? in yeah. the yeah. Mercedes Benz lineup with a 48 volt technology. So that's their oh. first one. They, I th- yeah. I thought, that's funny. I thought the S class yeah. had it. The S class has it. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, uh-huh. at least it's, it shows that that technology is going to spread. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get away from this, two um, two others, Subaru Ascent. Yes. So what is that? It's their ones? largest. Subaru ever. This is a three-row. Three-row. It's three rows. Um, and it's, the, it's uh, seating up to eight. B9 Tribeca, which yeah, is not Tribeca. really a true three-row. This, three is, row. this is kind of uh, – they're entering back into that market. Yeah, you know, that's sure. probably going to be a giant success. Yeah, yeah well, sure. Days. I mean, they say seating up to eight and symmetrical all-wheel drive is standard. So, yeah, so you get that for, safety that you want of Subaru with more The seating there. for eight is an interesting point because a, a friend of mine who has a lot of kids was saying – the ascent is like automatically on his list because a lot of three rows you can oh, yeah, get seven. six or seven max. Mm-hmm. Right. He said that eight seating thing is like the difference between yeah. buying a fifteen passenger van or buying two cars for his family. And so, the Subaru Crosstrek has spawned yet another new SUV from Toyota. It's called the FTACs. Correct. Huh. Right. Yes. I wonder what that was. I didn't realize. Yes. So oh. Subaru. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Just from looking at the pictures, it really sort of looks like a Crosstrek with a Toyota Grill on it. Um, FTAC, Future Toyota Adventure Concept. Love it. The idea is um, for folks who live in the city but like to go away for the weekend, like hiking and more adventurous. Young, so active lifestyle people. Young, mm-hmm. active Those lifestyle millennials. people. Well, <laughs> well, millennials who'd like to rough it on the weekend. So it's, it's designed to be rugged. Um, so more importantly, they don't, like like don't want to just get out of the city. They actually want to go back at some point. Like most people. <laughs> well, well, right. well, 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 yeah. Well, you know, Monday through Friday they have to park it, right, and then right, on the right. weekends they can go off road. Um, gasoline powered engine, um, but they're talking maybe a hybrid. Of course, um, with their system, I guess. Sure, and variable terrain response settings. So they're serious about this being able to actually go off road, not just look like it. Yeah. It can go off road. And the other big news from there is Green Car of the Year. Yes, um, the Honda Clarity. Uh, I, I think what, what set it apart was the fact that it has a hydrogen fuel cell variant, whereas the other competitors did not. And they're going to do three versions, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to do the hydrogen version, a plug-in, electric. And electric. And full electric. And full electric. Full electric. And, and full electric. Yeah. yeah, the full electric is the one that everybody's scratching their heads on. Because it's only like 89 I, miles. Yeah, it's yeah, well, even though, I mean, the fuel cell, you've got to give them credit, but yeah. 
there's only a couple people out in California that are able to buy it, so I'm not sure why yeah. that's very true. And you have to, but, to actually get one; you have to be within a certain range of the fueling stations. Which is, yes, whether which is only in California. Yeah. Right. 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 Toyota exactly. announced last week that they're actually going to build a plant to make hydrogen. So I guess they mm. finally decided to say, well, mm. we can't get anybody else to supply this stuff, but we're going to build a vehicle. Still hanging on. We're going to we're going to do that. Sure. Mm. Anything else you want to add from the show? Uh, Nissan Kicks. Yeah, I was just going to ah, ask you about kind that. Kind of a yeah. smaller Kicks. version of the Rebel Rogue. How many small SUVs do they need? I mean, they got the Juke, Rogue Sport. Rogue. They need the Kicks. Now, did they say anything about the uh, the uh, uh, help me? About is this the, the new Juke? Juke, Juke, yeah. Yeah. The Juke? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they didn't. I have read. Everybody else is talking about Yeah, there's some speculation that that will happen. Well, it's interesting. In this show where we run this particular test uh we've got the rogue sport and mm-hmm. we compare it to the juke and then later in the show this will pop up with the la right. saying well guess what yeah. uh, here's a third one or maybe it's going to sure. be the second one sure and I, I like driving the rogue sport and and the rogue yeah. so i'm kind of with you how much smaller do you have to get but again <laughs> they're going for folks who live in the city um yeah. so um well, then the other one China. along that the uh hyundai kona another small crossover They'll sell uh, a million of them. Yeah, that's actually coming to the U.S. market. And that looked like that was sort of along the lines of the uh, cross truck. Is that the same market? Yes. As you could tell it? Yes. Definitely smaller because this, this right yeah. now they just have the Sportage yeah. as their smaller one. They sure. don't have a true subcompact. Right. And that you don't have to wait long for, first quarter of 2018. They're going to have two engines, uh, two liter, but also a 1.6 liter turbocharged. So. Thank you one very front, much, sir. That's about as thorough a report from auto <laughs> yeah. we wow. possibly got. Leave it to Garrick. I try. Lots yeah. of overachieving as always. Don't, don't <laughs> leave. Don't Take leave. Your job. Well, I think we no. did. I think we did miss. There's actually a, a uh, updated Sorento, which is actually <laughs> yes, yes, actually right. dropping the two liter turbo option, which we yeah, had in wow, all. That surprising. was our long term. I'm very yeah, yeah. surprised mm-hmm. at that. Huh. Yeah. Although we, we did have a problem with it, the exhaust being so hot it melted my luggage. But yeah, so they're go- I think there's, they got the uh, it'll that. be a 2.4 liter offering, and then uh, if you want to go to the V6, you get a new eight speed transmission, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Nero, which we also we have a long term now, yeah. is getting a plug in hybrid version, right. which is kind of the way things are going. I think if you're yeah, really Hyundai, serious about uh, Hyundai being in the Kia eco is game. expanding their plug-in game cuz we just did the Kia Optima road test and there's a hybrid version or a plug-in version of that coming. Mm-hmm. So well, it's all part of the strategy. Else? That's it. Okay. Joe, you're up next. No, um, no, not me. It's Yeah, you can go. Yeah, go ahead, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Robinson. Would you like to take That's my intro? No, no, no. Okay. On every show, about what about every six to eight weeks, we do a bike test. I try to get five or six of them in there a year. I'll sneak an extra one in there if you don't notice. Brian has, for how many years now, has been our two-wheeling expert? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe, I don't know, eight or ten? Eight or ten. Yeah. And this bike caught me when I saw it. I really stopped to look at it, and I am the first one to admit that I'm not a motorcyclist. Uh, the Ducati Scrambler Desert Shield, and we also had <laughs> the, the sled. sled, and we also had Desert the Shield. Indian, that was I needed glasses. <laughs> we also had the Indian Scout Bobber, and it was both of these bikes were throwback bikes as far as appearance. And is this like they both represent new trends or what? Well, yeah, very similar in that they're. Current uh, evolutions of current bikes designed around a, a styling theme, and uh, the uh, Desert Sled, du, uh, sled. Ducati, 
S L E D. It's the takeoff on scramblers, uh, which there's nothing new. Uh, Triumphs had one out. Even BMW's got one. They're basically revivals of 70s uh, California guys that took their street bikes, tried to make them more uh, capable in the desert and going off road before there were traditional dirt bikes. Um, How did you like it? Um, I liked it a lot. The did you like it more after you spent time with it than you did initially? Uh, I think so. It was very comfortable. Around. Ducati's uh, noteworthy in that they've been the fastest-growing brand in the U.S. for some time now, in that largely just from selling cheaper motorcycles. Mm. And they've embraced this whole scrambler concept. It's like a sub-brand of Ducati now with like 11 different styling themes wow. to choose from. Uh, this Desert Sled one uh, is like the most – uh, true to the theme. It's got a taller suspension, skid plates, knobby-ish tires. It's, of all of them, the one you would feel most comfortable taking off-road. How about on-road? Was it too rough? Uh, not at all. It feels just like driving a Monster, Ducati Monster, their you know, standard, um, which is what it's based on largely. So uh, it actually feels more like you know, driving a traditional Ducati more than like an off-road bike. And the other bike the, uh, um, is the Indian Scout Bobber. That one, now that that was the one that when I looked at it, I said I've seen this bike before, and the answer was in every old World War II movie you can think of, where some messenger was running to the you know driving riding to the front line in a record pace. What is this bike a uh, well, the, memory of? Yeah, the Indian Scout. That's their entry level model uh, for Indian, and then the Bobber theme. Uh, it's been around for a long time, but basically really picked up after World War II when uh, there were a ton of surplus. Uh, military bikes, service guys got them, chopped off all of the Army stuff, mounts and everything. And then while they're at it, they chopped off all the fenders and chopped everything that they could off, basically, and made it a, a bobtail. And then mm. I, uh, people started calling them bob jobs, and it got into – anyway, it's a stripped-out scra- uh, <laughs> stripped scout. Everything's blacked out. Fenders are minimal, bike. what they can legally be. Um, it's The suspension's lowered. Uh, and it's just a solo seat, back to basics, 60s, 50s style. And it's one bike, you know, I, I get bikes in all the time. And I take them out and people stop you and give you comments. It's one bike that everyone that saw it liked it. I mean, some people like some bikes, some people don't, but everyone commented on, like, what a beautiful bike it is. But like a lot of bikes that are designed around a styling theme, um, it's not the most comfortable bike um, I I can ride just about any bike for a long time. That one, I was looking forward to getting off of, you know, not too much longer after I was on it. But I love to look at it, that's for sure. And both of them are priced around eleven five, so huh. very uh, inexpensive uh, bikes as well. Thank you, sir. Mm. And with that, we're going to move on to, questions? to no our questions. lightning <laughs> round where we uh, all have 30 seconds to respond to a question. When time's up, we're going to hear Joe and his bell. Okay, a fun question for the holidays. I'm reading off of Joe's script here. Uh, We've all been very good this year. That's debatable. (laughs) And we want to wake up to find that Santa has left a brand new set of keys in our stocking. Let's go around the table. What would it be to? Yeah. What do you want Santa to bring you this year? Who's going first? Start with Gary. Mercedes, Mercedes 560 SL from 1987 to 89. Wow, that's oh, very specific. That's very specific. Because yeah. I want one. Well, really tell do. us why. I just. Do you like? Well, the, I, I, I like the looks. 
I've never driven one. I'm sure they're, they're wow. great. But every single time I see them, I just stop what I'm doing. And it's all of his search history on his office computer. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Could be worse. Could be. Joe, how about you? Uh, look at my computer. I was thinking, I was thinking new, new car. No, no, no. New car, not old car. Oh. Uh, I, well, since, that's all right. Since, yeah, high school, I've wanted, since high school, I've wanted a Model S, but it's kind of getting a little long in the tooth. Mm. So, I don't know. There's, since high school. I love yeah, that. Just how young I, we are. Oh, I, I loved – I drove the Volvo S90 this year. I loved how comfortable that was. I know it's kind of an old man sedan, but I loved it. But then also you can't go wrong with a Mazda MX-5. You look out That's the window and one, see Joe. that. Yeah, Joe. So I mean, I, I'll go with the Santa's Santa's the rules of the question. I'll go for the MX-5. Merry Christmas. Brian Robinson. Um, probably the Dodge Challenger Demon uh, as far as what we drove this year. Yeah, without a doubt. you can turn around after – Short period of time and get rid of it. Yeah, we haven't seen a car like that made strictly for drag racing in maybe ever. And uh, 840 horsepower. It's right up my alley. I'll take that one. Yeah. Greg, how about you? Yeah, I would actually take a sibling to that one. I'd probably go Trackhawk. Oh. Um, I would normally go like 911 GT3 or GTS maybe. But considering that I have a dog and a wife who likes to drive with me, I think it's just easier to. Get everybody into a 700 horsepower SUV. It's interesting you mentioned the dog first. I'm just saying, oh, it's a Freudian thing. Well, she would do that to oh, me, right. so I, I think it's just fair. <laughs> it's really the dog that's in charge uh, of the family. No comment. I'm just going to stop while, while I'm ahead. If I was ever ahead, sorry. Do I get a turn? Yes. All right. Oh, absolutely. Of course. Um, I have been a fan of the Ford GT since the 60s when the first ones mm. came out, and I think the the Ford GT would be what I want in my stocking, but surprise, not the new one, the previous generation one, ah. which uh, I thought there. was a spectacular car and very roadable. Uh, it looked more like the original than the uh, the new car does, by hmm. sure, and uh, it also is a terrifically comfortable car to drive every day. So cool. the, uh, the uh, last generation, previous generation, should say the second generation uh, mm-hmm. Ford GT4, uh, GT. Nice. That's right. pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and maybe if you're good, Santa will bring it. I don't know if I want to be that good. <laughs> and here's a question that pertains to something that we're rather unique about. Uh, on our show, on many of our road tests, uh, after we put up the um, uh, fuel economy ratings, we do their uh, environmental footprint. Uh, and we always talk about how many barrels of oil they use and also uh, how much uh, they admit in greenhouse gases. So here we have a question from Frank sending this email. It says, how can a vehicle that uses six barrels of oil yearly emit 2.7 tons of CO2? Which I don't know exactly which vehicle he's talking about. But he goes on to say, you know, six barrels of crude oil weighs in at about 1,800 pounds. Okay, uh, about 300, bucks, uh, 300 uh, pounds a barrel. Uh, but 2.7 tons is 5,400 pounds. How can a vehicle emit more weight in CO2 than the weight of gasoline it burns? Before I give you what I think is the answer, would anyone like to jump in on that? I have no clue. But Sounds like fake news to me. Yeah, the 1,800 pounds of oil does not translate to 1,800 pounds of gas anyway. So. Uh, but anyway. yeah. That's very true. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, first of all, when it looks at how much oil is used, it's talking about 
everything. It's talking about oil that is in lubrication, oil that might be used up that's used in making the tires. Don't ask me how they come up with these numbers. Right, the refined process. But, but the they are very scientific the numbers that they use. But what the question fails to take into consideration is that you don't emit out your tailpipe a one-to-one ratio. You have to allow for the fact that about 14 to 15 times more air is taken into an engine than fuel. That air, most of it is converted to some form of greenhouse gas. Right. So you're emitting out the tailpipe in the order of 10 to 15 times more um, exhaust than you probably took in as fuel. And that's how you get these elevated numbers. Now, I might might point out that that number he's talking about is not equal to 10 times. It's something less than that. But you have to take into effect that the uh, you're sucking in an awful lot of air for what little bit of fuel you use. And we get those numbers from fueleconomy.gov. It's not something that we sit down and calculate every week. We're not that smart. (laughs) Correct. But But they do come from the government, and they are basically based on scientists. And here Joe has called up on his – On the video version of the podcast, I'm putting up the the chemical equation for when you burn isooctane and it bonds with oxygen and the the carbon in the isooctane. Bonds with the uh, (laughs) oxygen. So that's where the extra tonnage comes from. It comes from that oxygen. He had had the scientific answer right from the start. Don't forget to carry the two. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of that, and uh, thank you very much, Frank. It was a very good question. Frankly, it's one that quite a few of our viewers have asked us over the last several years. Before we wrap up this edition of our podcast, any rants and raves? Anything new uh, that strikes you about uh, a quick little rave. The holiday driving? Go ahead. Well, we this is looking at the auto show, and the we talked about how the Stinger and the G70 mm. are the same platform. Hyundai and Kia can – I don't even want to use the term badge engineering because it's not quite right. But they badge engineer better than almost any other automaker. Mm. Like you remember – Bold I, statement. I, I love old cars, but there's some pretty terribly badge engineered cars from like the 80s and stuff, like where it's clearly all the same body panels and a different grill, like, you know, Chevy Cavalier, Pontiac Sunfire kind of stuff. But I think it's amazing how much, how different Hyundai and Kia can make the same platform. That is, it's the platform and the engine and the transmission are the same, but then the cars can look so wildly different, you know, an Optima and a Sonata. Or the Stinger and the G70. That I think that's really impressive how much mileage they can get out, and how to the average consumer you can't really tell them apart. I think auto journalists can tell them apart, mm-hmm. but I think that's really well, actually, impressive. I, I think there's a significant differences. It's not like you know Ford Mercury kind of stuff yeah, from the nineties. Just 90s. the badging. So. Anybody else with a rant and rave? That's a mini. Do you find rave. people are getting? Uh, Nicer as the holidays approach driving or worse? Uh, Never get nicer. (laughs) Um, One car we didn't talk about that was at L.A. Mm -hmm. and and I have not seen it was the uh, new Corvette ZR1, Mm -hmm. the convertible. Right. Did they – was – how does that look versus – everything else from this C7 Corvette. Was it, was it monster? I mean, the pictures, it looks really mean. Do mm-hmm. you recall whether it, it stuck out or, I mean, this is supposedly the last gas for the C7. I think really mean is a good description. The uh, we've seen the coupe, but haven't seen the convertible. They didn't do anything extra to it. Did well, they? It was a convertible at LA. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, that, as far as I know, it's just the same. Everything's the same. You just you got a soft top, which what's it? How much is the horsepower? Stand. 
that there's a I don't know why it's, I hate the the fact that there's a ZR one soft top. Yeah, yeah. that just it it makes no sense to me. But seven hundred plus horsepower. Yeah. I know people love them, yeah, but I don't like those people. So. Automatic man, that's where it's at. Yeah, I'm just going to something quote, for the Palm Springs uh, cruiser. Yeah. I'm going to quote Benny D and say, ah, I've been sick of the C7 for about like three years. Now. Yeah. That's what he said. Well, come Detroit, maybe we'll have the new mid-engine Corvette to talk about. <laughs> that wraps up this edition of our Motor Week podcast, number 171. Brian Robinson, Greg Carlos, Garrick Zykin, and Joe Ligo, thank you all for participating. Also like to thank Jim Bigwood, our audio engineer, for making us sound usually more intelligent than we actually are, and <laughs> podcast creator Bob Mixter. And as I mentioned, Joe is also our um, producer for the podcast. Thank you all very much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. And remember that MotorWeek is uh, viewable on most public television stations around the country. You can go to our MotorWeek.org website for more details. And soon we're having, uh, we will have a new station and time locator that will far, it will amaze you. Yeah, it will be much so easier accurate. To use. Yeah. It's only about also, 10 years overdue. Oh, exactly. Also, be sure to catch us on Tuesday nights and really all week long on the Velocity Cable channel. I'm John Davis for all of us at MotorWeek. Thanks very much for joining us. Have a great holiday season. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, State Farm, and WeatherTech. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.